Today on Drawing Near, we begin our study of the letter to the Ephesians. The church in Ephesus has a significant place in the New Testament. They are one of the seven churches the Lord Jesus addresses in the book of Revelations, and they had a special relationship with the Apostle Paul. The letter Paul writes to them contains some of the most cherished verses in all the scriptures. Our study today is titled, The Saints in Ephesus. So open your Bible to Ephesians and study along with us. As we begin our study, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we thank you for today, your rich blessings. I thank you especially for the Lord Jesus Christ, how he willingly gave his life to die on the cross so that we might have our sins paid for and forgiven by faith through Jesus. Lord, I thank you also for his resurrection. For without his resurrection, our faith is in vain. But he did resurrect, and you have exalted him to your right hand. You have given him a name which is above every name. And Father, we thank you for his humble sacrifice. And now, Lord, we ask through your Holy Spirit that you would open up your word to us, speak to our hearts and lives, and guide us in the path of truth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 1, we read, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited to begin this study of Ephesians. It's been quite a while since I have taught through this letter. It is a letter that has much rich history. Dr. Curtis Vaughn, in his little commentary on Ephesians, writes this as an introduction. Ephesians is considered by many people to be the greatest of Paul's writings. Indeed, many pronounce it the supreme book of the New Testament. Of all the epistles of Paul, it was John Calvin's favorite. John Knox on his deathbed frequently had read to him from Calvin's sermons on the letter to the Ephesians. From this epistle, John Bunyan received much of the inspiration for his allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. Across the centuries, Ephesians has been an inexhaustible source book for gospel preaching. In every generation, it has nurtured faith, and its language forms the basis for many of our hymns. Whether a person believes that Ephesians is Paul's greatest letter or whether they believe that it is the greatest New Testament book, it is clear that Ephesians has a special place in the history of the church. It is a devotional book, a theological book. It is very, very personal and intimate while being a book that embraces the broadest scope of any of Paul's letters. So let's take a look at this letter. We're going to begin by looking at the first three verses. And although many times people get a little bit bored with looking at the salutation or the beginning verses of one of Paul's letters because they sound so much alike, it's important for us to pause and reflect on what is shared in these first three verses. From these verses, we learn who wrote this letter, who the letter was written to, and then a greeting. The person who wrote this letter, according to verse 1, is Paul. Paul was 
an individual who was introduced in the book of Acts as Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. He was filled with such passion against the work of Jesus Christ and the early work of the apostles of Jesus Christ that he launched a persecution against the church. And it was in the midst of that persecution on the road to Damascus that Jesus Christ stops Paul in his tracks and does the unthinkable. He calls this persecutor of the church to be his apostle to the Gentiles. He is literally going to be the messenger of Jesus Christ to the Gentile people whom the Jews hated, and he was going to call them to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. By accepting Jesus Christ's call, Paul becomes the persecuted rather than the persecutor of the church. So what is an apostle? An apostle is someone who is sent out. He's a messenger. We would call them a missionary. So Paul is a missionary of Christ Jesus. He is sent out by Christ Jesus by the will of God. It is God's will for Paul to serve as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Then we are told in verse 1 that this letter is to the saints who are at Ephesus. I always find it remarkable that believers in the New Testament are often referred to as saints. Many people today are confused about the word saint. Some of those are in the church, and obviously many are outside of the church. We have this idea that if you, if you do a few miracles or if you live a sinless life, or uh, you're just better than everybody else more than you're a saint or you're saintly. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say that when someone has done something really, really special for them, they say, oh, you're a saint. Well, the biblical meaning for the word saint is literally a holy one, one who is made holy by God when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It also carries the idea of being set apart or separated. And so a believer who has trusted Jesus Christ by faith is set apart by God. They are holy unto the Lord. They are a saint, not because of anything they have done, but because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection, and our faith in what Jesus Christ has done. We do not make ourselves saints. It is Jesus who makes us saints. It is Jesus who makes us holy and blameless before the Lord and sets us apart for service to God. And so Paul addresses the believers in Ephesus as saints, and he further describes them as those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's an amazing thing to be said about a believer. It shouldn't be amazing. It should be commonplace. All believers should be described as faithful. Not just faithful by going to church every Sunday or faithful by dropping their offering in the offering plate every week, but rather faithful in the way they serve the Lord by holding his truths, holding his commands high in their heart and seeking to live faithful to the word of God in Christ Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, am I faithful? Would other people looking at my life call me faithful in Christ Jesus? Do I live according to the word of God? Do I know what God's word says? Am I committed to live according to the word of God? Am I faithful to the teachings of Christ Jesus? 
each one of us are called to not only follow Jesus into heaven, but to follow Jesus by living out his word day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit in this life while we await going to heaven to be with Jesus. The recipients of this letter were not only saints, not only faithful in Christ Jesus, but they were the saints in Ephesus who were faithful in Christ Jesus. As mentioned earlier, Ephesus has a unique place in the scriptures. Paul had a long relationship with the people in Ephesus, and his relationship with them was precious. We can see this from Acts chapter 20. Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem. In all likelihood, he's going to find his way into prison, and he's probably not going to get out of it. It's at the end of the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, we read these words. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. But I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, and not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will no longer see my face. Therefore I testified to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit was ma- has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And then they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. These are some of the most amazing words in the scriptures, because in these few words that we've just read together, we see the testimony concerning Paul's 
ministry from his perspective of the fact that he had finished this course, and he's sharing this with the elders from the church in Ephesus, and he's giving them warning and encouraging and testifying that he has done everything that God has called him to do. And then toward the end of this passage, they're kneeling down and praying, and they're weeping out loud and embracing Paul and repeatedly kissing him, not wanting to give him up. And they're grieving over the fact that they will not see him again. This is a part of this Ephesian letter. The letter to Ephesus happens before all of this, but it's that relationship that results in what we've just read in Acts chapter 20, verse 17 and following. And then if we turn back to the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, we read these words that Jesus said to the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so long after Paul is gone, the church at Ephesus continues on, and Jesus in the book of Revelation speaks to them and counsels them to return to their first love to repent and to do the deeds which they did at first. And if they do not repent, he threatens to remove their lampstand out of its place, literally to close the church doors. So whatever was going on in the church at Ephesus when John was writing the revelation of Jesus Christ, it was serious enough that Jesus was threatening to close the church doors. And so that gives us some kind of background to the saints who are in Ephesus, the relationship with Paul, and what happens after Paul. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 2, Paul writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a typical greeting from Paul when he's writing a letter. He extends to the church at Ephesus, to the saints, grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is simply God giving people, giving us what we do not deserve. And peace is the absence of conflict, not just the absence of conflict, but also the hope and the desire for well-being, for wholeness. So it, it's broader than just an absence of conflict. It's the absence of conflict, but the presence of, of the positive, of peace of harmony. And so we we have this offer from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ of grace and peace. And this is ours through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, 
is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, a church that he developed such a great relationship with that they weep aloud at the prospect of them not seeing him again. They are faithful in Christ Jesus, and yet somehow throughout their history, they have left their first love, and Jesus cautions them and calls them to repentance so that he does not have to remove the lamp from their place, close their church doors. As Paul is writing this, the whole tenor of this letter is built on verse 2. All of this letter talks about the grace of God extended toward the lost, what God has done, what he calls us to, and the peace that we can know from God our Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we close today, I want to ask you, are you walking in the grace of God, in his enabling power in your life, and do you know peace? Are you living day by day, moment by moment, in the peace that comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? As we studied together in Philippians, the peace which passes understanding. These are ours through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we must walk by faith. We must walk faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to experience that peace. It's that grace and peace that I also desire each of you to have through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this letter. We thank you for this humble beginning on our part. It's a tremendous beginning on Paul's part. And we ask, Father, that you would guide us and direct us and prepare our hearts for all the studies that are ahead. May we faithfully study your word and draw near to you, that you may draw near to us and strengthen and encourage us so that we may live a life pleasing to you, a life that honors the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with all those who listen, all those who are faithful to study. I pray, Lord, your blessing and protection upon their lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, or at podpoint.com. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.